podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hey guys, just dusting off the cobwebs of the Media Matters podcast. It's been a while since I've I've done this show. It's great to be on and... um, you know, with football having a little bit of a break and such things, um, we thought I thought I'd come back with um, you know, some fresh content, talk about things. Um, obviously we're on. Um, I'm recording this on the back of a Liverpool, uh, great win I'd say, and a really really positive result. And um, before that, of course, you know, there's been so much angst and unrest and frustration from Liverpool supporters and just watching them in general. And we've heard so many opinions about the Reds and what's going on or what's not going on. And uh, I thought I would bring on a fresh perspective on on things. And um, the guest I'm going to introduce actually doesn't need an introduction. Um, you've heard him many a times on this podcast. He's very, very respected in the journalism field. Um, again, um, our Liverpool fans on, on Anfield Index absolutely love listening to this guy and his insight. From the Sunday Times, it is Jonathan Northcroft. Welcome, Jonathan. Oh, hi, Nina. Thanks for the, uh, thanks for the introduction. I, I wish my editor valued me the same way. I'm only, I'm only <laughs> joking. I'm only joking. Oh, it's lovely. Thank you. Oh, no. it's, it's great to talk to you again. Listeners, before we get into this, I just want to warn you and let you know that um, the life of a journalist is very, very busy. And right now, Jonathan is on a commute to Heathrow Airport and um, he's a busy guy. So I um, really, really appreciate him taking out his time and listening to me be his horrible company whilst he bought, you know, whilst he's, <laughs> he's out there, you know, um, about to, about to board a flight. But Jonathan, um, it's the last time we spoke, I think it was, um, oh God, when football brought for COVID, I remember that. I we, it was. Yeah, yeah. We, we were talking about old school football games, which I really, really appreciated. Um, uh, luckily there won't be much of a big break in football but still long enough I'd reckon but Jonathan let's get straight into it so you and I are speaking on a Wednesday Liverpool have played their game and um, the the words that we were all kind of hanging on to I paid a lot of attention to Jurgen Klopp's press conference after the Napoli game because I was absolutely disgusted with what I saw and he definitely looked like he'd had a slice of humble pie and certainly a lot of the players as well because, you know, senior players weren't performing. Jurgen Klopp spoke about reinventing ourselves. 2-1 against Ajax. Let's talk about this because for me, um, Liverpool deserved to win that game and Ajax were probably one of the, the, the toughest side in, in that group in the sense that, you know, they've been on a rebuild. Um, you know, losing a manager, losing key players, and they look so cohesive. So this was the real, real big test. And you know, Napoli were the same as well, I guess. You know, lost three key players in that dressing room, and absolutely, um, embarrassed us. But what did you make of the res yesterday? Because for me, it wasn't more of a reinvention. It was almost like going back to basics and doing things that you're naturally very good at. Like my team looked recognizable to me. Yeah, first, I mean, first of all, it's a really enjoyable game. I thought. Um... 
I actually have an interesting watch this season for the reason to say, you know, that what a club they are for just being able to refresh themselves with a new generation of talent. And, um, you know, a bit flaky in places, but really dangerous, um, especially Kudus, who looks fantastic. So it was a real test for Liverpool, I felt. And I think you're looking for several markers. You're looking, you know, you're looking for one of the markers, of course, is, is, is um, energy and effort. And, and that was back for Liverpool. Yes. Um, you know, that, the, 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 the running, the, the, the pressing, the determination, the pitch coverage, that was, that was back. And when you talk about back to basics, that's the, the very first thing that Jürgen Klopp's looking for and the very first thing that gives Liverpool the identity. So that had returned. And then you look at other elements, um, I would say mentality. Uh, Napoli was a strange performance because it wasn't just the lack of um, sort of physical oomph, but it was it was this uh, sort of almost supine and passive Liverpool from a mental perspective, a team that couldn't really respond to, to the setbacks. So I actually thought yesterday was a real test for, for the team because they were playing so well, they were creating loads of chances, ridiculous number of chances, um, and the ball wasn't going in. And it's one. It, it took me back actually to that 2019 Liverpool that never panicked and that stuck there to the end. And you know, Villa Park in the last five minutes and um, last minute equaliser at Watford, all that sort of stuff. It was that Liverpool. It just kept going and and finally got the goal. Um, and one of my sort of favourite Liverpool players got it as well, Joe Matip. It's fantastic to see. Yes. That that kind of shy smile when he when he does something good. But I mean, he's. Again, when you're going back to basics, you're going back to personalities that you can count on, players that you can count on. I really feel he's one of those unsung players for Klopp. And then on top of all that, you're looking for the football to, to be there. And I mean, two performances really caught the eye, I suppose, was with Mo Salah, who was electric, mm-hmm. especially the first half. And I mean, I guess the main man in that team, really, these days, Thiago. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure we'll go on to talk about him and the impact his return has made, but it was just like Liverpool had their dad back on the pitch, you know, he was mm. someone to boss the game, someone to boss the opposition, and some of the little passes were, were superb. I mean, there were other good performances, you know, I thought it was another encouraging night for Harvey Elliott uh, and, and, and so on, but but in particular, I think those two um, will be the foundation of, of a recovery, and they were really important last night. Yeah, um, I, I couldn't agree more. And, uh, you know, with regards to Mo Salah, I just remember him just, because um, again, one of the criticisms that, um, of, of how Liverpool were sort of shaping up in, in games um, prior to this one was um, Mo Salah just pretty much hugging the, the touchline and, you know, um, not not getting involved in the box and not linking up with the, with the strikers and stuff and looking really, really isolated. And, you know, from, from minute dot, Jonathan, I kind of noticed that he was kind of cutting in, kind of running in. Yeah. You know, there was a lot of, like... I don't know, it was almost like they've been working on those drills. Like, okay, if you're, yeah. you know, there's a lot of overlapping between him and Elliot and Trent was doing it as well. So, you know, there was, you know, somebody who was probably further back, but he just felt like he looked more involved. He, you know, he looked really hungry and he looked like, and again, great to see Mo Salah get a goal because I think his confidence 
really needed it because I think maybe as you know as the season's progressing and obviously he's out wide I'm sure that thought might have come into his head like um are my goals going to dry up here uh, you know is my involvement in 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 the creative aspect of things you know going to be sort of um, diminished so it's great to see him get a goal I think it meant a huge deal to him again that is Liverpool's most um I'd say you know most deadliest attacker and seeing him back and um, hopefully uh, many more to come. Uh, you spoke about Thiago there and my word. Uh, and I think, you know, you, you said, you know, it's like having dad on the pitch. And, and when he was saying that, I smiled because I remember when he first made his appearance against Chelsea and Jurgen Klopp did the unthinkable where he pretty much signed him and threw him on in, in the game. Um, yeah. for, for the second half and I just remember first of all he broke all the passing stats I think that were, yeah. were possible and yeah. I just remember him on the pitch and he was all the players were looking up to him like oh gosh you know this Rolls Royce kind of play and he was pointing his fingers to where he wanted the ball to be played in the midfield and everyone was just kind of watching him and taking taking notes and you know against that Napoli game as well when he came on he had better numbers than anybody else he's He's such a smart player and uh, just having that kind of player on the pitch made Fabinho's performance a lot better as well because he wasn't doing maybe three man's work. I think that's right. And, and, and you know, Javier has been pretty good all season, but he responded to having Thiago. And you're, you're right, you know, he's, he's this great combination between, you know, all the, all the things that I suppose people celebrate Endo for or before. Uh, uh, as in having, or maybe even Andy Roberts, having this big personality, this kind of drive about mm. them. Um, but he's got that, plus he's an incredible footballer. And, you know, it's, it's a real it's a real combo. I mean, I think, if I think around the league, you know, maybe Thiago Silva at Chelsea's got a similar sort of amalgam of, of just an unbelievable personality um, and supreme levels of, of technique and all that kind of stuff. But he's... He really combines them, and um, he was so. I, I I don't know if I've seen him quite so vocal and demonstrative in a game, and it was almost like he was he was setting himself the the, the task of I'm going to reset this team. I'm gonna I'm gonna really lay down markers in this game, um, and he was even you know he's laying down markers to the referee quite a lot as well. But it was that real boss's performance where. He wanted to influence and dominate and set the tone for what the performance was going to be about. And I mean, I did a piece on him last year, which was called Tiago in 10 Passes, where I just looked at 10 passes he'd made in a game, all different, all leading to a different element of that, um, and all sort of telling you something different about how he plays. And there was a moment last night where Harvey Elliott got the ball, um, kind of centre position, centre midfield position, and he had to sort of thread his way through a bit of traffic and he passed Thiago and the ball was going to Thiago and you thought, oh, this is a bit tight because players were closing in on Thiago. Yeah, I and know what you're talking about, yeah. You know the moment and he was actually yeah. really, the two players were very like close to each yes. other in distance. And those first half, passed. wasn't it? It was first half. It I was. Mean, yeah, yeah. It was, it was. And those, when, when two players are so close, it's actually very hard to get the weight of the pass exactly right, you know, because there's less margin for error and all that sort of stuff. And I was like, what's Thiago going to do? And the pass was just a, it was just a five-yard pass. It was out of this world. And it was perfectly through this tiny gap in front of um, Elliot. So he didn't have to break stride and he could keep driving up the pitch. Just like, wow, that's, that's, that's a football there. Yeah, And you know, as soon as he did that, I got a text message from my sister. <laughs> 
um obviously we weren't watching together and she went that's what we've been missing and yeah. I was like yeah you know just absolutely incredible stuff um yeah he's he's an absolute magician and um again like you said um I kind of like what you just kind of said that he's kind of taking it upon himself from all the experience and you know playing in, in yeah in a quality side like Bayern Munich and he's going to bring all that experience forward and uh, yeah and like again you know he's a great mentor for you know some of the younger lads to kind yeah. of learn things from and you could tell he you know he he kind of wants to be that 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 mm. figure that's very very approachable in the dressing room as well um yeah I adore him and as for Joel Matip getting a goal I mean full <laughs> hero status you know reactivated you know Liverpool fans just absolutely love him and I think it's more his reaction to everything <laughs> um uh, yeah um Again, yeah, I have to agree. Um, you know, it, it finished two one, and um, of course, you know, um, Liverpool. I mean, take nothing away from Mohamed Kudus's strike; it was wonderful. Right. But you know, um, again, um, a question was asked of Liverpool. Um, you know, they got undone by some passes. Um, you know, people will lay fault on the right hand side and the defensive side of things, and obviously, people like Matip being pulled out of position, and of course, you know, um. Uh, I think, you know, Trent Alexander-Arnold being firmly put under the, the microscope there. But again, something that really impressed me from that, not not not, not the defending, was his reaction afterwards. Um, he kind of went on the front foot and, you know, tried, a, you know, one of his classic long-distance shots. What I liked was the fact that it didn't shrink his confidence, which happened to a lot of players against Napoli, in my opinion. Yeah, it did. And that's, that was why the... The Napoli game was alarming, and you know, as I was saying, from a mental perspective, it was not the Brazilian sort of mentality monster Liverpool at all. Um, and and there's a different vibe last night. Um, of course, being at Anfield helps, but it's interesting the, the thing with Trent. I mean, and I was going to say the one, the, 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 the sort of the grey cloud that was still over that performance was the goal that was conceded because it was, it was, it was, it was an absolute situation you want to avoid where you've been dominating the game. And then the opposition have one good attack and it's a goal. And all that work you put into it, um, you know, it's just gone in an instant. And it was, I, I, everyone was isolating Trent in the analysis and, and, and BT. And I think that's just going to be a theme of his career. We're going to keep, we, by 10 years' time, we're still going to be talking about this incredible creative player that maybe sometimes isn't, isn't doing um, the sort of hardcore defending. But I don't think it's ever an individual problem in, in a clock team. I think it's always a collective issue. And, and I did, I was, a, I was, I was still, I think it was, it was for, 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 for Jurgen, I think he'd look at the performance and think, right, a lot of the hallmarks that I want were back. But I've still got this issue. And, and that issue is being played through. You know, Liverpool have played through, and that's not the first time this season. No, I, I would completely agree. It looks like, you know, something that really will need to be addressed. I mean, it could. do you think it could potentially be like, I mean, again, you know, um, I, I support I support Liverpool and, you know, you're always looking for options. And I think one thing may be um, a, a through and through right-hand sided, you know, um, central midfielder. You know, could potentially could it be that you know Melo gets thrown on the left and you know Thiago yeah. tries his hand at the right? You know, because as great as Elliot is, I think we can all agree he's a creative kind of winger, and you know he yeah. he might be more you know suitable in in a different formation. Like obviously Klopp did change it in the second half, like when when we went to a four two three one, and maybe he's more suited to that kind of setup rather than being the right sided midfielder. Because obviously that's not his position. He's very young. He might adapt to it. He might yeah. learn it. You know, young. That's the great thing about these young players. You can actually, you know. But is it something that maybe um a more senior kind of pro in that 
mission might be better. Yeah, I, th I think that tactical job that, that Jordan Henderson has been doing for the last few years is now maybe maybe we can understand how important it's been because he he's been the the the, the one that fills those he's been you know plugging those gaps either when Trent moves into a central position or when Trent goes you know down the flank it's it's Henderson as that right central midfielder that's been coming over but he's also been filling gaps for Mo Salah as well and um, it's it's a, it's a lot to ask if you're suggesting that for like a 19 year old or a young midfielder like Elliot um, for a young player like him to mm. have to do that tactical job and I think he's a different player he's he's, he's got he's, he's probably got more um, creativity than Henderson he's got more desire to to join the play and play quick little passes and so on and be involved so he's not He's not necessarily going to want to do all that off the ball filling of gaps that, that Henson does, but they, the, the, that has to be worked on. There's still a need to, to, to solve that tactically um, in some way or other if Trent is going to continue to be the, the player he's been for the last few years. As I say, it would help a lot as well, but he needs um, he needs to be able to come in off the flank when 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 So that that's that's that's. One of I think there's probably two conundrums really tactically for Klopp. That's certainly one of them. It's, it's who, who's gonna who's gonna plug those gaps on the right midfield, or maybe it comes from someone else. Ten shuffling over. I, I don't know. I don't know. That's the work on, but but that's the that's definitely got to still be in the intrigue. Yeah, I'd I'd have to agree with you. I think the right side definitely needs some cover. Um, I know you kind of spoke about Jordan Henderson there, and you know, um, for me, like, and it's not a criticism of Jordan Henderson in general, but like for me, for the past two seasons, he's not been the player that used to track back as well as he did. I think you know, like, and again, it's the problem that I have with the Liverpool midfield just in general. Um, Jonathan is the fact that it can't be depending on depending on um because of injuries. And I think when I always think about injuries, it's always the midfield that suffer. Maybe it's because I, I don't know what it is. Um, maybe yeah. they, you know, um, it's they, they, you know, like, I don't know, they, they push themselves and overexert themselves too much. I don't know, but that just seems to be a conundrum. But, uh, you know, with, with the players right now, I would really, uh, I'm quite intrigued. You know, Melo's been brought on loan. Um, you know, yeah. we saw him a little bit against Napoli, but wasn't really paying attention to him. I can't lie because I was so deflated. You know, but um, you, you know, after what we were watching, but you know, um, again, you know, but again, these are all like the fact that Liverpool looked recognisable and they were playing decent football. Um, I thought, you know, like you said, you know, the finishing, the cutthroat edge wasn't quite there. You know, the final third, you know, and that was probably the most frustrating part um of of the the whole performance. But of course, Liverpool have signed the play and they've signed Darwin Nunes, and I just want to get your brief thoughts on him because, again, um. People are quickly writing him off. I mean, he had, um, you know, he had a bread and butter kind of chance in the second yeah, half. I think yeah, we can yeah. all agree on that. Obviously, went wide. Um, uh, you know what, you know what Twitter's like. I don't need to tell you what fans are like and how reactionary we can be. But you know, people, you know, um, you know, doing things for clout and engagement. Like thoughts on Darby Nunes, and you know, like I just think you you do realize first of all, like. He's, you know, he's not had many games. Secondly, he's coming to a team that has been bereft of confidence. You know, the players that you kind of, when you walk into a Liverpool team, like if I was a player and I'd signed for Liverpool, I'm looking at the likes of Mo Salah for inspiration. And I'm yeah. looking at, like you said, Thiago, who was injured, by the way, you know, for the majority of what Liverpool have played. And, you know, your 
your your Virgil van Dijk's and those kind of players, you know, um, you know, who are quality in class and Alison Beckers. You're looking at those kind of players, and when you know a majority of those players are not on their game, it's it's quite hard. Yeah, no, it, it, it's been a difficult um, point in time for him to to try and come into the team, as you say. And I think he's, I mean, he's also let's be frank about this. He's got a, a big problem called Erling Haaland. Because they yes. are going to get compared, like it or not, and they might. Mm-hmm. It may be that it's not Liverpool fans who are doing the comparison, that it's the wider media. But like it or not, you know, these two guys arrive together, and you know, actually, Helen's slightly younger, but they are similar age profile and big and money as well. Big money, and I mean, interesting. I, so I, I, you know, I, 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 I do a column with Wayne Mooney for the, uh, the paper, and, and he said something very interesting when he was assessing them. He said. Um, so there's no one quite like Haaland. He says, well, actually, the one player that's got the most similar profile is actually Darwin Nunes. Um, this was before they, the, you know, when they both signed and, and, and played at that point. Um, so he and he, Wayne thought that Liverpool had made a pretty good signing because they'd signed almost the next best thing. But the problem is that Haaland is so prolific and so successful and so precocious that he's. You know, he's already changing perceptions of what a forward should be doing, and in particular, a young forward. But he's done that his whole career. That's been the story of his career. He's he's just a phenomenon. And I, don't, I think if he wasn't in the league and he wasn't, he hadn't started with ten goals in nine games or whatever his ridiculous thing he's already done, then there might be a bit more breathing space for Nunez. But unfortunately, he will be looked at through that lens. Um, and the simple truth is, at this stage, that no one's going to live up to Haaland. Nunes' job is to try over the next three or four years to, to, to get there. And, and players develop at different times. And he's already got, had quite a decent career, a pretty great profile of attributes at 22. So I think, you know, Haaland needs to go out of people's minds, but I'm not sure it will, is what I'm saying. The other issue he's got, and this is what I said, there's two sort of big tactical problems, I think, for the top of the It is that blend at the top of the pit. You know, this is this is part of Liverpool's evolution. This is part of the the change that's necessary as, as Firmino um, has, has, has got older and, mm. um, and with Mane leaving. They, has got, they have got to find a new blend. But it's it's a work in progress because that, that, that blend was so powerful. That front three was so good. The, the chemistry, the, the, the rehearsed movements, the, the way they complemented each other. Um, and they put, they had played together for a long, long time. Um, and I think, funnily enough, Jota was the first to come in and um, kind of be something different. But yeah. Jota's a really, really, really intelligent footballer who can lots of different things and is almost a utility forward. I don't, and I don't mean that in a, in a bad way. I mean that in a good way. So... He was able. He was able to go and do those little different jobs quite effectively when he came in. I think the problem with Nunes is, and it's the same as Diaz. They are younger and they are probably more individual as players. It's how they've been trained. Nunes has been trained as an individualistic number nine to an extent, and Diaz is is more. has been trained to be more your 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 kind of um, individualistic wide player in the classic sense. So they've got to. Pop's got to get these talents into this convincing forward line with Salah, and I haven't quite seen yet, and I might not expect to see it 
either because it's new. But I haven't seen yet those those moments that you would get clearly with Matt Manny and, 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 and Salah where, you know, number nine drops deep and wow, look at the two of them. They're just they're almost they're almost in formation, you know, one one one's run just perfectly tuned to the other's run. Um one squaring it to the other, all that kind of stuff. It's just not there at the moment and, and it has to be worked on. Now Jota, it was interesting that Jota started as Klopp went back to basics and it was clearly the right um, thing to do mm-hmm. um, because of the outcome. Um, but I felt that was that was as much to sort of go, right, okay, I'm going to park this trying to get the chemistry together for now, just go back to what we know we can do and, and, and you know, play a, a more, let's say, tactically uh, adaptable and selfless player in that position. But you don't invest the amount of money Liverpool invested in Nunes without. He's not going to. He can't be the fourth option. He has to be one of the the, the three starters, I think, um, or else it makes no sense making that signing. So he could have done with finishing that chance because it was a pretty straightforward one. That may be told of his confidence. Overall, I, I, I mean, I, I, I've, I've liked lots of bits that I've seen. Yeah, I mean, after that chance, I do remember when he missed it. I do remember he went on to. Um... The left hand side, and I remember yeah. him sort of like you know putting it past two defenders, um, you know playing the yeah. ball across uh, across goal, and uh, you know Diaz just like basically whiskers away from not even touching yeah. it. So you know he he was showing that you know I can assist and I can get involved. Yeah. In it, but but you're right with the previous front three because there were so many goals where all three would be involved, and we're just waiting for that to happen, and it will click because obviously. When those three first, you know, uh, you know, uh, Jurgen Klopp initially bought um, Sadio Mane, and then he bought Mosala, and obviously things take time to click. So you know, we're going to have to wait. And I think another thing as well, which probably didn't help, was obviously his red card as well, and obviously sitting yeah. out that as well. You know, so you know, it, you know that you have to take all these um, factors into consideration yeah. with with a player like um, Darwin Nunes. And I, I like the fact that you made that. That shout that people will naturally just compare him to Holland, and um, uh, you know, and I mean, he he's an absolute machine. Do you know what I mean? Like I yeah, watch yeah, him, yeah, and he's yeah. he's just unbelievable. His movement, how he is in the box, and you know, he has that beautiful, beautiful luxury of um, you know, Kevin De Bruyne always pinging yeah. in the precise yeah. pass. You know, the luxury. You know, um, but yeah, um, I I think would you agree that just give the boy time? Absolutely, because you know I was, I was going to say he has been talking about the blend and stuff, but it's only been because of the red card. He's he's only been on the pitch what five or six games, so of course it's way too early. Um, and if, as you said at the start, if other parts of the team would be doing better, there'd be less pressure. So people have just got to chill and give them a bit of time and put Howard out of the mind. And try and look at this as like an ordinary player and not compared to, he's not, you know, not, it's, it's not a machine like Holland, it's, it's a different, different player. It's going to take a bit more work. Nobody wants to give anyone time. You know, Salah goes five games without scoring and, and it's a, suddenly everyone's trying to pick over reasons for that rather than he's just got five games without scoring. You know what I mean? So it's hard to get time in the way. In, in, the, in the modern game and in the modern media landscape, social media landscape. But that is the reality that Nunes will need that bit of time. I, I completely agree with you. Um, I just think it's a bit, um, you know, premature and very reactionary. And, you know, um, let's just wait on things. Um, 
Right, Jonathan. So, of course, that was a really, really, you know, um, Liverpool fans are in a happier space. You know, it was, <laughs> we had to wait like, you know, seven days of, of pain. And I think the breakaway from football probably did them a world of good to just kind of work on things and, you know, um, get some training down. And uh, I also believe that it was the first um, uh, time that they actually ran their opposition this um, this season as well. So, you know, um, let's yeah. go back to before this game because it was a hot mess and, you know, watching Liverpool was not fun. So, you know, to me as a Liverpool supporter and obviously covering the games week in, you know, gaming as a post-match, you know, dealing with all that, they just look massively unrecognisable. And it was really hard to kind of... You could point certain fingers, but, you know... Um, they just weren't great. And um, I think a lot of Liverpool supporters felt like this. There's been a lot of talk about this. But, you know, how do you, how, how did you perceive them, you know, be, before the Ajax game? Because yeah. they just look very, very different. Yeah, it, it, it surprised me, actually, you know, the, the, um, the drop-off, um, I have to say. I think a couple of things have become clear, actually. I mean, the, okay, the thing that didn't surprise me was losing Sadio Mane has had a massive impact. And anyone that anyone that thought they're deluding themselves. And even, you know, I could see people sort of saying, ah, oh, yeah, but, you know, it's, not, it's nothing to do with the attack and blah, blah, blah. It's all about chemistry in the club team. It's an 11-man game. So, you know, yes, Liverpool are still creating chances, but um, the balance, the chemistry, the, the, the everything has changed. And Sadio's a champion as well. He's talking about personalities in the fight spot. That guy was a guy who again and again produced and scored late goals or scored the only goal in a game when Liverpool hadn't played well. So lots of factors of having Sadio taken out. That was a big, big thing. Um, and then you look at individuals who haven't been at their normal high standard. Injuries, of course. But I think the biggest thing that I, I think I, I, I kind of have taken away from it is really how Liverpool have changed. It really confirmed how Liverpool have changed as a team over the last couple of years. And I'm I'm going to come back to Thiago. Um, I think the evolution has had been to become ever closer to City in possession and dominating the opposition, using the width of the pitch and spaces and, and having that metronomic passing. Mm. And Thiago is the centre of a lot of that. And I, I think taking him out of the team had such a big impact, um, an impact that, that, that you know, you never really understood when you saw him out of the team. And, it, it, it did show you that actually this team's this team has changed because I don't think we're used to seeing like the midfield's always been sort of quite a functional area or traditionally a functional area you know for for Klopp so you know a great player like when Aldum could leave but actually it wasn't really sort of a great servant like Van Alden, maybe not a great but do you know what I mean a great servant to Klopp could leave and it wasn't a huge impact because another functional you know, another player could perform those functions. But I think Thiago's changed the balance of all of that and um and and all sorts of elements weren't working without him in it. And then then after that you just gotta there are questions around the conditioning, the fatigue and the physical output that I'm not you know, I'm not I'm not the best qualified. You've got some great experts on on, on um, Anfield Index that, that spoke very eloquently about this, and that's not really my field of expertise, but it's certainly that, that noticeable, and particularly noticeable in a you know start of the season is always a time when um, teams are intense and they come back, they've had they've, they've been rested, um, and 
they're optimistic. So even you know the, the, the smallest teams are just full of optimism. New season, and if you're not if you're not at it physically at that point, you're going to be in real trouble. Um, and you're going to find it really difficult. You can get blown away. Mm-hmm. So Liverpool were out of step from a physical point of view as well. That's clearly evident. Um, but yeah, it, 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 it does start to feel more and more like this is a transitional phase where you know they're trying to move from one thing to another. Um, and maybe this is going to be a, a more transitional season. And, and what I really paid paid attention to, and we might talk about this, was Jurgen changing his mind on transfers and, and midfield and saying, actually, I think I did need something after all, which which tells you, I think, that Thiago's absence took him by surprise as well, the impact. Yeah, I think so too. But I think he only made those comments, if my memory serves me correct, was after he lost Jordan Henderson. Yeah. Um, uh, to the Newcastle game, but you're you're right in terms of like just not looking right, and and also the intensity as well. I just remember the first opening game, Fulham, and you know Liverpool just looked off it, and of course you know the unfortunate Thiago injury didn't help matters as well. But you know, um, you know Liverpool were were quite lucky to walk away with a draw in that game because I think right. Fulham surprised a lot of people in that game. Um, myself included. Um, you know, we we had big bold predictions for that one. I can't lie. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah. Um, I think you know from from the minute I think they just kind of realised that. Hang on a minute. Teams are going to press. Teams are going to be in, intense with what they do. And again, um, you know, when there's bad results and performances, Jonathan. Um, you know, the theories come out as well. You've kind of talked there about transition. For me, um, to me, it seemed more like it seems more like a personnel issue. Um, in terms of having the you know the the midfield um and all the injuries and um, you know not having like a Nabi Kater in the mix yeah. of things as well. I have no idea what's going on with him. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the, you know, there's been a lot of things. But anyway, speaking of theories, so um, you know, um, a transition is is a theory. Um. The injuries, the lack of um, investment in the transfer window. Um, we've also had um, maybe Liverpool playing so many games and then having a small pre-season because obviously the World Cup. So fatigue, mental and physical fatigue. Um, you know, a book um, by Pep Linders, uh, Intensity. You know, there's been, you know, we, at that point, we're just playing a blame game or to, you know, pinpoint something. Um, also tactically as well, what are Liverpool doing? Like we we spoke, we highlighted more Salah sort of um becoming uh, best friends with the touchline. Um, <laughs> you know, in, in in previous games. So you know, there's been a lot. Um, to me, it just felt like there was just too much newness happening, and it yeah. it, it was just really hard to maybe grasp it all. I have no idea what was going on. Um, it could be a, it could be you know the the simple fact that you know tactically they weren't maybe comfortable with what they were being asked to do and it was something that maybe they were learning but yeah it it was a it was it was horrible so I'd like yeah. to get your thoughts on that and all the theories and do you have any more you'd like to add in the mix oh wow yeah I mean <laughs> well I, I mean the theories are risable a lot of them I mean, I mean to start this of course I talk about the overheated media social media landscape and this is this is a result of it there has to be a big reason for everything. You know, somebody has to come up with a theory because that means you can then write 5,000 words about it or you can, you know, draw attention to yourself by, or, or a bit of punditry, you know, that, that they grab. And that's, that's where we are. People are looking for dramatic stuff because it, it grabs the attention. And, um, unfortunately, that's a motivation in a lot of analysis these days. 
I mean, I thought that the, the, the Linda's book theory was, was ridiculous. Um, maybe people don't understand how books work, but it's not like, yes, his book was released, um, I think, you know, in, the, in August. That doesn't mean that he was been writing it, you know, in the middle of the summer. It doesn't mean he's writing it in August. That book will have been completed more or less last season. You know, you, 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 you write a book and then it takes a couple of months to come to publication. So actually, if writing a book was the issue, why were they getting to the Champions League final? Because he'd have probably been finishing the book round about that time. Um, and, what, what you know, what's harmful about that? It's trying to give an insight into... Um, culture. I, just, I, I don't see. I just don't see the issue with it at all. And, and Pep Linders is, is a very communicative person who likes to discuss ideas and stuff like that. It's not like he's changed character and oh, got ahead of himself by deciding to write a book. I mean, the guy loves to talk football. I thought the Mo Salah has signed a contract, so now he's got a cigar out. A ridiculous. ridiculous I forgot series. that one. Thank you for reminding yeah. that one. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, one of the most one of the ridiculous things about that theory was that. When he hadn't signed his contract, that was being used as a reason for his drop-off in open play goals. You know, oh, he's unsettled. Oh, you know, he needs the certainty of a new contract. That's, that's, that's a big problem. It's a distraction. You need, need to get that deal done, get that deal done. Then he gets a deal done. Oh, now he's signed the contract. Now he's given up. And it's just, come on, guys. Let's, Mo Salah's a champion. Mo Salah has been a, an utter champion for Liverpool and for Egypt for six, seven years. Are we really going to start questioning his mentality now? You know, it's mental. Um, so I thought that was I thought that was ridiculous. Um, it's more interesting talking about the different little tactical things and physical things because probably all of them have contributed, and yet there's no one big thing. Yeah. And I think I think the final factor that's really hit Liverpool hard is um, I always remember something Rafa Benitez used to say about you know the evolution of teams and transfers and he would always say it's not just what you do it's what your rivals do so fans and media tend to look at clubs in isolation and think they need this they need this and if they get those players or if they do this make this change things are going to be better but they forget that the opposition are also investing and changing all the time and i think liverpool have suffered because their rivals have had a really good summer you know city have had a brilliant summer we could see that Transfer-wise, incredible, and I think Arsenal did really well with what they had, and Spurs did really well. And then all of a sudden, Manchester United did so badly in their first two games that they said, "I mean, they went from we're going to spend 80 million quid to like right, 250 million quid almost overnight because they, I wouldn't say they panicked, but I think they just realised half the extent of their problems, shall I say." So suddenly, I think, you know, Liverpool have always been a bit more measured and, you know, thinking 18 months ahead, maybe caught in the hop a little bit. And it's not great because fans, fans are looking to have the same buzz that the opposition fans are having. And there's probably a bit of a period towards the end of the summer where Liverpool fans were not getting that buzz and, and watching the opposition maybe starting to do things that the club hadn't, you know, Liverpool hadn't expected that maybe the offer to invest quite so heavily so I think that's another element that's created this kind of overheated environment around the analysis of Liverpool it's just what the opposition have been doing watching them doing well I think those are all fair comments and I think you know just going back to you know um, how kind of Liverpool started as well I just remember them just absolutely um, you know 
bringing their A game against um, um, Manchester City in the yeah. Community Shield. And then, you know, a week later, and I think that was the shocking aspect of yeah. it. You know, like, it was like the complete drop-off. So, you know, that got us like, really excited. Like, oh, okay, you look good. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. things are clicking. Oh, Nunes looks good. Look at him get a goal. You know, you're yeah. seeing all the positives. And then a week later, <laughs> literally a week later, you're like, oh, my God, uh, what's happened? <laughs> okay, maybe it's just new season. It's fine. And then it carried on. I mean, we're going to talk about this. You, you know, you touched on, you know, um, rival teams and how they've invested, and we're going to get into that. But you know, this this team came into the season as a quadruple challenging side. Of course, won two of um, um, two of those domestic cups, the 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 League Cup and the FA Cup. Hindsight is a wonderful thing, isn't it? And um, I guess, Jonathan, what I kind of um want to ask you here now is um. I'm going to break this down into two into two segments. Um, quadruple challenging side. So you kind of then look at that season, and I enjoyed it as a Liverpool supporter. I can't lie. I thought you know Liverpool playing every single game, you know, keeping it alive till the very end. You know that's what football is all about, right? And that's what being a fan of a football yeah. club is all about. So you you then walk back and you think, okay, well, you build on that, and you know what Klopp is like, and you know they're, they're going to build on this. So the two questions I kind of want to ask you with regards to Liverpool being a quadruple challenging side previous season is did they do enough in the transfer window to build upon that and in hindsight if they didn't have the muscle or the means or they wanted to keep a a, you know relatively a small kind of squad I mean it wasn't their fault because the injuries happened I mean I remember that bench against Man United and it was laughable I can't lie, you know, when you look at that bench, there's so many youngsters, um, absolutely no options off that bench. But the, I guess the two questions I want to ask you on that is, did Liverpool do enough in the transfer window? And um, was that what kind of took the sting out of them in a sense yeah. that, you know, if they're not going to invest like other teams, then should they maybe just focus on certain things? Yeah, I mean, they didn't invest enough. But I mean, I, I, I've got to be honest, I'm putting on my... Captain Hindsight uniform to say that because I was in the middle, of, yeah, I was in the middle of the summer saying, look, you've got to trust this club and it's recruitment because it's been, it's very strategic and it's measured and um, and, and it's worked. They've, they've planned ahead really well over the last five, six years and, um, it, you know, it, it, it looks like the strategy has been um, we're going to wait for Jude Bellingham essentially and we, we can get away with Another season with the midfield roster we've got, with with Harvey Elliott back, with um, Cavalio in the mix, um, and it hasn't, you know, it hasn't happened. But I, you know, as a journalist, I was getting soundings at the start of the summer. You know, you could talk to people in the game, scouts, agents, and there was a lot of chat about how this isn't going to be a big transfer summer. This isn't going to be one of massive spending. You know, no, nobody, no, none of the clubs are really going to do a massive amount. Um, and I'm sure Liverpool picked up the same vibes and, and would have, you know, will be better researched than, than any journalist is. So they, they'll, have, they'll have had the same soundings and I think expected something similar. And then it's just, it's those factors that we can't necessarily control, but it's, it's a Chelsea takeover um, by a group whose, whose, whose mode, is, as we've seen in, um, in American sport, is to invest and invest hard up front. Um, and going out and, and distorting the market maybe by doing things like paying 60 million for 
Cooker Allen, who's a really good player, but isn't a six, you know, wouldn't have been a £60 million fullback. Um, it's, it's, as I said, Man United panicking and going big. Um, it's Arsenal beating the, beating the system a little bit by, by getting those two great players out of Man City. Really good signing. Um, and, you know, I think Spurs recruitment has been very, very good since um, Conte and Patricio got together. So it's all those it's all those factors that I think Liverpool's fault was not responding to it. Um, and I think that's where Klopp's comments were coming from. I think there was probably a window in the last couple of weeks of the market where they probably should have done more, I think. We'll, we'll, we'll see if Arthur Miller's the right, you know, is enough. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if he's, maybe he's a Thiago like. Maybe, you know, I've been mentioning how one of the things that we've realised is how almost more important than ever Thiago become. Maybe that's the Mellis to do. But I don't, as you've mentioned, you know, I don't see him doing the Jordan Henderson job. So I think there might have been an, I think there might have been in one of the other types of um, midfielders that will look like a Cachado or, or whatever. Um, and we'll, we'll, we'll see, we'll see. But, I mean, Liverpool have got to be measured with investment and prioritised the number nine and, and spent a lot on Nunes. I guess the Nunes and, Nunes and Diaz signing will be, to a certain extent, when we're looking back in a couple of years' time, they'll be the definitive ones because they're where the budget's gone. And then, of course, if they do get good Bellingham next, next, um, next summer, um, then, you know, again, this, this summer strategy might make sense. Or, you know, might, it's not going to be do Bellingham directly massive target, but it'd have to be someone else of that stature if, for whatever reason, they miss out on him. So, that, I, again, I'm sort of saying it's probably we're not really going to be able to judge the strategy properly until a year's time. But my instinct is Liverpool being caught a bit on the hop by other clubs' activities and injuries and so on, and maybe could have reacted quicker. Um, that last few weeks of the window. Yeah, for me, I just kind of feel like, you know, when Ginny Wijnaldum left, because yeah. he might not have offered, you know, like he was like that quiet little player in the midfield that just got on yeah. with his job, you know, like I hate that term water carrier, but, you know, yeah. he never got the plaudits that he deserved and he was like sort of a press resistant and you couldn't run past him and you know uh he was so um expansive for holland and he'd get all these goals and liverpool fans would be like well what did he do for liverpool and it's like well he was actually there just doing a job being a barrier for the defense and you know those 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 skills and attributes are like massively missed. So I think what Liverpool should have done is identified all the injuries in the midfield. We know Jordan Henderson's, you know, yeah. gets a fair few injuries. We know it's the same with Naby Keita. You knew that when you bought Thiago as well, that he's going to get injured. You know, he's going to play X amount of games for this much. So for me, like the group, which is like slowly just bought players of a similar quality, you know, like just to kind of freshen it and mix it up if you want to be that, that kind of juggernaut that challenges like Manchester City who, you know, have, you know, great players on the bench, you know, like they can afford to sit Mares on the bench and Mares has been doing exceptionally mm. well. They've got Ty Gundogan, you know, like these are quality players and they can sort of mix it up and change it up and, and I guess that's, that's 
may be the difference. So for me, I just don't think that they should have gone out and bought a brand new midfield. I think that's insane because then we go through that transitional period, which is never, ever good for anybody. But if you just slow, you know, season by season, bring in the right player mm. and kind of fits, and then you're not in a reactionary phase, which I felt like the, the Mel, Arturo Melo coming to Liverpool yeah. was, was reacting to a lot of injuries. You know, James Milner, as a great a servant as he is, has played far too many games for Liverpool um, than what he should be doing. And that's not his fault. That's because Jurgen Klopp requires him to do so because the players weren't there, you know, beginning yeah. of the season. Yeah. You know, so, you know, I, you know, and you have to, and I love Jurgen Klopp, but you have to say it how it is. You know, that, you know, it's not been overly great. So, you know, that's been my understanding yeah. of um, yeah. the, the recruitment. Yeah. You touched on something then. You spoke about, you know, um, rivals and oppositions. And, of course, this Liverpool team is trying to go toe-to-toe with Manchester City. Mm-hmm. And I actually think they've done pretty well. But, you know, pretty well doesn't quite cut it. You know, you you know, you, you know, want to be winning it. We've already, like, beat them to the title once. So yeah. how do Liverpool compete with them, um, you know, given, you know, there is a massive financial gulf between not even like a team like Manchester City. You kind of touched on Manchester United there and Chelsea. And then you have a team like Newcastle, who I think will be creeping up in the next five years. And I think they're going to be scarier than everyone, given yeah. the amount of financial muscle they'll have. I mean, yeah. how, how do Liverpool compete? in those confines he spoke about Jude Bellingham and you know it's really really exciting and you think yeah he'd probably want to work with Jurgen Klopp and this team but you know we saw with what happened with Chiromeni you know man Real Madrid threw a lot of money because they didn't get Mbappé and it was turned and I can see similar things happening with those companies I'm a complete realist yeah that's right Chiromeni is another one that was you know on on the very much on the radar and missed out I think what Liverpool have got to be careful about is not assuming that what's worked up to this point is going to keep working. And what's worked up to this point has been the smartest recruitment in town, pretty much. You know, the, 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 the forward planning and the executing of deals at the right time, at the right place that had happened under Michael Edwards and so on. Um, and I think what Liverpool can keep clever analysis, their scouting network, um, the same evaluations, but other clubs are catching up, and maybe maybe that's a big issue now that um, that, that, that that you know the rivals are now. Liverpool has been famous, so of course clubs are going to want to copy it and maybe follow the Liverpool model. So you mentioned too many going to Real Madrid. That's Real Madrid too changing their model, by the way. They're suddenly looking at Camavinga and too many, and, and I know mm. they've gone down that younger route with the Brazilians a while ago with Rodrigo and. Vinny Jr., but it now looks like they are um, looking more at the future Galacticos rather than the current Galacticos. And then you've got um, PSG are starting to look at a different type of recruitment since um, Campos went there, and they've been looking at three transfers, maybe, you know, not, not, not quite the established superstars, but, but sort of smart deals. Arsenal done well, as I said, I think United's I mean, United's recruitment has basically been let's ask Eric what he thinks. But actually, um, they, that 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 may that may actually help their recruitment. It's been better over the summer, I would say. Um, and then, as I say, Spurs have become smarter, and the smaller clubs are becoming smarter. And I think I think Liverpool, you know, the way, you start off by saying how do Liverpool compete? The way they've always been able to compete is 
okay, we don't have Man City's money, but we've got more, we've got more smarts. But actually, Man City's so smart now. Their transfer done for so, they made a transfer profit this summer, and that's I find that pretty frightening for for the rivals. Mm. You know, um, different. You know, they they picked out Haaland Obviously, is actually quite an expensive deal, despite the fee. You know, we know the, the agent is on massive, but they got the player. They got the player they wanted. Looks like they've got um, Calvin Phillips at a really good price. You know, and they've sold well. They did what Liverpool had always done which was sell the offcuts at really high prices. Um, and then they, the, 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 the centre-back that they brought in, oh, name escapes me, I'm getting fooled, um, that looks a pretty smart signing. You know, the, the squad management, the, the turn has been really, really good at City. So the draw, I, I think Liverpool, maybe, maybe the ownership has got to face the reality that it's not just going to be smarts now. It might have to be investment on a bigger scale. Um, and think you know, I think Liverpool's um, net spend is still pretty low compared to those rivals, and um, it might be that that the the the, the, the purse strings have to open, like 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 in that in that phase when suddenly Allison and Van Dijk arrived, um, and the spending changed. There was a step change there. Maybe um, maybe that's a similar. Um, a bit of investment. It's beginning to look that way to me, I have to say. It's beginning to look like it might be that a couple of big, a couple of more big signings are needed. Um, certainly that midfielder now, and you know, I'm beginning to wonder at the back as well. Yeah, it's um, uh, it's definitely something definitely has to change. I think I think that is an absolute given. Um, you know, um, uh, and of course, um, we 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 forget to kind of mention that you know this is like um, Ward's first sort of like transfer window as well. So again, he was again yeah. there's that kind of pressure as well because we've always had like Michael Edwards who was just so so yeah. um, you know I, slick. I guess it hasn't been you know not necessarily been the inability to close deals. It looks like Ward's done pretty well on closing those deals. Mm. It might be that the model just has to change a little bit or the systems have to change. It's just doing the same thing again and again and again in any walk of life. There's a point where it stops being as effective as it used to be. So, yeah, uh, might just be that's either be a big financial change or looking at a slightly different market or looking at a different way or activating deals a bit earlier than they used to. Or just I think that I think the fear is that the rivals are catching up with the smartness of recruitment and therefore Liverpool will have to uh, rely on something else. Yeah, it's it's definitely going to be very interesting, Jonathan. I think the you know like the the Virgil van Dijk and Allison deals were kind of facilitated with the Coutinho sale. Yeah, something yeah. that Liverpool have always done is sell big to in, reinvest. And obviously, at the moment, I'm just looking at that team and thinking I don't really want to sell anyone. You know, they've all been no. given all the key players, like the star players, have been given like their contracts. So it's just you're kind of thinking that you you know that some of these players are absolutely in their in their peak and in their yeah. prime and you don't kind of want to like you said you don't want to disturb it too much so it's going to be very interesting to see what Liverpool and FSG come up with in this um yeah something does have to give and something has to change and i think you know for the right player i think i truly believe maybe it's the optimist in me that you know money will be put forward for the right player but um again will it be enough to compete with 
other people. That's 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 the concern as as a Liverpool supporter, Jonathan. Um, uh, before I I know um we've been talking for a while, which is awesome. I love talking to you. Before I let you go, because I want to end this podcast on on a positive, you know, note. Given the fact that there's not going to be no football for nearly a month now, and I guess I, what what I want to ask you is um the simple fact that you know um. I'm taking any little bit of confidence and positivity that I can. Can Liverpool build on this? Is this a good stepping stone, a good good building block for them? Because, you know, any other season beating Ajax would have been like, yeah, Liverpool beat Ajax at home. But it just felt so much bigger to me this season, given the fact that what I've been witnessing. So I just want to get your thoughts on that. Is this a good time for the Reds to have a break? I know we've got an international break as well. Yeah, well, well, uh, yes, I was laughing at you saying that a month about football because uh, clearly you're not going to be... Uh, Glued to those uh, those England games coming on. Absolutely, right. not. I will be washing my hair. Listeners know how I feel about <laughs> international football. I'm watching England. Uh, you know, I've made, I've made those sentiments very, very clear. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Well, um, in terms of a break for, for Liverpool, it has come at a good time. Let's be honest. I think it's always, it was always going to be an odd season because of the World Cup and a season where it's really important to start well. And we still want to play before. Um, that break in November so it's been a slow start but what's going to be really key is this phase I think it's key for the whole season for everyone is this phase between the international break ending and then teams, teams everyone going away to the World Cup it's kind of solid month and a half where the Champions League group phase is going to be completed um, and where you know more or less half the league programme will get up to so Liverpool have to you know have to be Good in that phase, and the break gives Klopp a chance to, um, you know, reset, um, get players back from injury, um, maybe address some of those tactical questions that we've been posing. You might not have the players there on the training pitch, but it'll be a chance to do some thinking and some planning. Um, and you know, the difference going into that break in the back of a good win makes it huge because it, it 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 relaxes people and it gives him confidence that. Um, the, the fundamentals aren't missing at all. They're, they're there. He's been captured them, and now it's time to, to build on that and, and try and make sure that um, you know when Liverpool come back, um, they're flying, you know, back out of the blocks, flying and um, attacking that really important part of the season. As I say, and I mean, can you think how different it would have been if, if that magic goal hadn't gone in um, and and Last night ended up in a, you know, one-one draw where you say, well, Liverpool played really well, but at the back of your mind you're thinking, but it still wasn't, still wasn't a good result, and it left, you know, and, and the group phase was looked messy, looked like one point after two games, so really right, that's on the right win at the right time, I have to say, and um, makes this this break just that bit, bit better for for Jurgen and, and, and their staff to, to sort of their work on on what they're making sure things are right. Back. Couldn't agree more, and you would have had a very, very horrible host today if that was <laughs> so, you know. So, and, oh, wow. and yeah, you're absolutely spot on. It would have made the group raid really messy, like you know, it it absolutely would. And obviously, Liverpool's next game is against Rangers, yeah. so you know, you're, you're kind of like looking and analysing those things now as well, and you're thinking, well, okay, if they get another win here, you know, they start looking healthy again. So yeah, yeah it's it's all looking great, and um, I'm I'm glad you kind of said that the you know. And again, you highlight the fundamentals. The fundamentals were right, and if your fundamentals are right, you just build upon that. You know, yeah. so um, you know, again, 
um, plenty to hopefully be optimistic about. But Jonathan, thank you so much for talking um, to me and uh, giving our listeners such great insight and um, on on commute as well. And um, you know, we really really appreciate that. Um, before I let you go, um, where can people find you on social media? And is there anything you'd like to plug? Yeah, no, no plugs today. Um, you can find me at Jonathan Northrop, so at Jay Northrop uh, on on Twitter. Um, if you want to jump over the paywall, you can find me at the Sunday Times. Um, and uh, you know, find me company on the uh, on the motorway. I spend too much of my life on the motorway, so it's always nice to have a have someone to talk to, someone nice to talk to. So. And, and your listeners are lovely people, so thanks very much. Oh, no, it's been an absolute pleasure. I will be billing you for services. Oh, just kidding. Just kidding. No, it's, it's an absolute Thank you so much for your time. You know, it's, it's, it's tough times, Jonathan. You know, you got, you got, you got to do what you got to do, but no, just seriously, um, it's, I've loved speaking with you. It's been ages. It was good to talk about Liverpool and the current situation. But guys, thank you so much for listening as well. And um, we hope you enjoyed the podcast. We hope you can kind of have a little break with like some kind of positivity. And um, once again, thank you to Jonathan. Thank you for you guys for listening. Um, take care. And hopefully I'll be back for the Euro Incision podcast. So you'll hear from me again, guys. But thank you so much for listening. Take care. Till next time, up the red. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index. And find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.